Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder of Financing Solutions. Uh, for those of you who don't know Financing Solutions, we provide easy-to-set-up lines of credit for small businesses, and I will be your host for today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. If you're interested in potentially getting a line of credit for your business, um, please visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Over the last 25 years, I have personally built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million in revenue range, including two companies that made the Inc. 500 fastest growing companies in the United States. I love learning from people with business experience. And today, I am very excited to be speaking with Ken Cook from The Prepared Group. Ken owns the marketing strategy firm, The Prepared Group, and specializes in working with marketing agencies, teaching them how to support clients with a strategy-first approach. With dedication and experience towards small businesses, Ken has successfully grown his company from a one-man operation to a small agency employing a variety of talented workers. Ken, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. So excited to be here with y'all. So, you know, before Ken and I got on air, I, I, I wanted to clarify exactly what uh, the prepared group does. And, you know, maybe Ken, you can get us a little bit better detailed as to what the prepared group does. Yeah. So what we do is we license uh, intellectual property, primarily around the creation of marketing strategy to marketing agencies. Uh, so that they can better work with their clients. You know, one so the big- typically, what is that intellectual property? I mean, yeah. what is, yeah. So so typically, our, our system, what it does is it looks at marketing from a holistic perspective. Most of the time when, when people think about marketing, what they think about is uh, the tactics. They think about Facebook ads or Google ads, or they think, they think other tactical realities. They don't think about what systems, processes, and procedures need to be in place for marketing to really succeed. And so I'm going to give kind of a really basic example, if you will. I believe one of the most successful pieces of marketing the average small business can have is a really good receptionist who knows how to answer the phone and welcome people in the front door. The problem is for most businesses, they've never treated that as a marketing opportunity. And so when we talk about marketing, we talk about uh, the prepared marketing system. What we're looking at is a total war approach to marketing. So it's not just how do I advertise or, or attract people into my business, but it's what's my system and process for capturing and segmenting and databasing information, right? As Web 3.0 continues to grow, uh, owned data, first party data becomes increasingly important. How do we then, then nurture those people? Right? How do we build a relationship over time with folks? A lot of businesses that I see, especially under the five ten million dollar mark, they really specialize in that one off sale, right? So the one out of ten people who are ready to buy today, as opposed to the vast majority of leads that come in their door, who aren't necessarily ready to buy today, but they may be ready to buy in six months or nine months or a year from now, and they just don't have systems and processes to deal with. How do I keep a relationship going for that long? right? Then we want to look at our sales processes, right? And how does marketing and sales interact? 
to use the technical terminology, we're looking at what's the relationship from an MQL marketing qualified lead to an SQL sales qualified lead. In other words, how do we get better quality? How do we impact pricing intelligently, et cetera, to really maximize what an organization is doing? And then from there, we're really looking at uh, simple things like onboarding. We know that effective onboarding is like a really good first date. A lot of businesses, though, treat a, a client signing an agreement or, or purchasing a product like, like it's the wedding day, as if, oh, they're my client now to have for life. Instead of saying, no, no, this is the first step in building a relationship with this person for the long term. Uh, it makes complete sense. If that makes yeah. sense. So, so from it there, does. We're... It's like, and some, it's, I mean, toward the end, we're getting, you're getting a little bit more detail oriented, but you know, it's just, some of it's pretty simple, right? Like the receptionist idea, it's true, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know um, 10 years ago uh, or so I did direct mail because nobody does direct mail. <laughs> Nobody does it. And so, uh, and it worked out well for me then, you know? And so it's the old, it's, it's the old making the old new again. Right. Same thing with receptionist. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, let, let's get into today's topics, which are, <clears throat> you know, the top five business marketing strategies for small businesses under $5 million in revenue. So what would you say is the number one top business marketing strategy that you think can really make a difference? Yeah. Let me first define marketing strategy, if I could. Please. Uh, because I, I think that there is a, it's a real problem in our industry where tactics are being defined as strategies. And so, so I feel like when you ask this question, a lot of people are expecting me to say, oh, it's this brand new, yeah. you know, never heard before XYZ quiz funnel, whatever, right? It's not that. The number one tactic is I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to analogize this through my son Phineas. My son Phineas started his first business two weeks ago and he's raking people's lawns. He's 11 years old. <laughs> okay. And, and I asked him, I said, Finn, how do you know which lawns to rake? And he said, Well, I look for the lawns with the most leaves and the nicest cars. <laughs> Target market takes out for takes out for his dad, right? And, and and this is what he said to me. He said, "Dad, it's all about the target market." Okay, and, and he, here's the thing about that: so many business owners do not understand this concept. I would say the vast majority that I work with don't understand this concept. They say, "Well, I can sell to everybody, so everybody is my target market." If I had a penny for every time I heard that, <clears throat> be a very rich man. Because people think just because you can do something means you should do something. And the, and the reality is this. You're not Bud Light. Bud Light's annual advertising budget is over $100 million. Okay? And so if you figure they're spending, let's say, a dollar for every man, woman, and child in the United States, they have the ability to paint with a very broad brush. Most small businesses do not have that capability. They can't spend that kind of money. And so the question is, who should I spend money reaching? So the number one strategy, the very, the very baseline of marketing strategy is knowing who am I spending money to be in front of? Yeah, it's, I agree with you. You know, it's funny. You know, I've been doing this for 30 years now. I mean, I have my own companies. And 
everything, it's, it's, you forget some of the things that you really learned and that now is just second nature. And, you know, because I've built so many companies, like when I built my, my fifth company and my sixth company, man, we got it. You know, that those two companies I had with a business partner, we got them cranking in three months. I mean, I was generating $500,000 a month in three months with, with my, my, my sixth company. Right now. And the, the reason for that, a reason I raised that is that it was natural for me to think who is my target customer? Who is the person who's most likely to want and have to do, well, want to do business with me? And that's where the money goes in marketing, right? That's where you start to say, okay, this is my target audience because you're right. You, you're not going to send out a million emails. You're not going to, you know, have the budget of a Bud Light. You have to be targeted. And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I use the word magic bullet a lot, right? Um, what What is going to be the magic bullet that I have to uh, do in order to get a very high return on who's going to be customers for us? Because to me, that's about efficiency and effectiveness. And, you know, 30 years into this, to me, that's, I, I don't, I even forget that people don't do that. Right. And you're, you're I mean, your, your example with your son is a, a, a perfect example. And th- let me tell you the, the biggest problem, Ken, from my experience, you tell me if you agree that, that people don't even think about marketing period. I, I think it's, it's that there is driven by yellow pages back in the day and internet marketing agencies today. I think that the challenge is the average small business owner doesn't know what marketing is. They've confused marketing with advertising. And, and so the challenge that, that a lot of small businesses face is they know how to advertise, but they don't know how to market. Yeah. And I, I don't use the word marketing actually, when people say, well, what do you do most of the day? And I said, I am really the, 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 the person who's the lead generator. Now that doesn't mean I go out and get, I do sales. I don't. Okay. But it does mean that I am responsible for finding the, the correct avenues where client uh, prospects, good prospects, profitable co- prospects are going to come to us. So I think, you know, marketing and advertising is, are, are poor words. I think, you know, that we all use, I think lead generation. And I always say is, so, and to also go a little further, I would say is the, I am a marketing and sales guy. That's my background, right? So of course, I'm going to want to do a lot of that type of work, right? My, my business partner is the operations guy, right? And, um, and he loves doing that type of work. And we both love our, what we do. Um, but you know, I think that the, the people who are typically running, the, the, the owners of the companies, they're going to gravitate toward what they are good at, right? And a lot of people who start businesses, they're sometimes more on the technical side of the business than they are on the marketing and sales side. So it depends, but I'm just saying you're going to gravitate that's, toward it. That is the classic classic concept that Gerber put out in the 70s, right? Is people start a business because they have this entrepreneurial seizure, seizure and fundamentally they're a tactician, very good at what they do. But they And that's what they want to do is they want to do what they're good at. They don't want to have to do all of this other stuff. Yes. 
And all of this other stuff, in a way, prevents them from doing the thing that they're great at. Yes. And I think you learn that as you go along. Uh, there's a really great book called Now Discover Your Strengths, which 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 looked at 15,000 what they considered uh, successful executives and found out that those successful executives focused on the things they did really well and delegated the things that they didn't do well. And I think as you learn that as an entrepreneur, you start off by doing everything. And then you, if you grow your company and you get it to be bigger, you learn to focus on the things that you enjoy and you're good at and try to get everybody else to do the things that you're not. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, let's move on to number two of yeah. the top marketing ideas that you would kind of say. So the second strategy is this. You have to position in front of your target audience. Uh, and, and so there's a very interesting concept here. You and I could sell the exact same thing, right? Let's, let's pretend that we're beer manufacturers, right? Uh, it was the famous copywriter, Claude Hopkins, who, who took Schlitz beer, right? And he positioned the cleanliness and the sanitization process of the bottles. And that turned Schlitz beer into one of the largest producers in the country because of this idea of cleanliness. Now, Minor detail, every other person did this. Every other every other beer manufacturer ever has always done this. And, and yet, that piece of positioning drove massive success. And so, so I think that piece right there of asking ourselves, how do we position what we're doing in front of our customer to alleviate the symptoms that they feel? Now, a lot of people want to talk to you about problems, and, and, and marketers love solving problems, quote-unquote. Simple reality is solving problems is overrated, okay? What people want, especially in this country, is they simply want symptom alleviation. As long as they feel good, it doesn't matter if you've solved their real problem. And so as a, as a business owner, first alleviate their symptom and then solve their problem. I'm not saying don't go solve the problem, but you've got to alleviate the symptom first. And so, so, so that's me, the second piece here. Give me, give got, me an example of that where yeah, you've absolutely. seen that. Um, I, I have kind of a morbid example that I've, I use a lot. I want you to pretend for a second that you suffer from headaches. And the root cause, the root problem is a brain tumor. And two people come to you and one says, well, I've got this miracle drug. It's called Excedrin and you can take it and your headache will go away and you take it and your headache goes away. And, and this other person, a very expensive surgeon comes to you and says, look, I'm going to cut open your skull. I'm going to dig around a little bit and you won't have headaches anymore. Which one are you going to choose? Well, I'm going to go with the first one, the Excedrin first. And then if that doesn't work, then I'll move to the other one. We're always going to go for the easiest, simplest path of least resistance, right? And least pain on our part. And so I think one of the challenges is that a lot of businesses want to, rather than provide a foot in the door kind of an offer, they want to provide a comprehensive solution. And the problem is your prospect only cares about 5% of it because they don't understand the value of the 95% of it. If you didn't know that you had a brain tumor, 
there's a 0% chance you're signing up for someone to cut your skull open. And it's not until you have been illuminated to that problem that you say, oh, taking a pill to deal with a brain tumor is stupid. I have to go get brain surgery. Right? And that's the concept here is, is it may be that that brain surgeon says, well, step one, let's take this. Step two is let's do a scan. Let's figure out what's actually going on. Right? Let me then illuminate. Let me, let me give you knowledge so that you can make a better decision. Right? Not just rely on me, the expert. Right? And I think, and so I think that's kind of the heart and soul of, uh, of this issue of problem versus symptom. And that this, this shows up in a lot of ways. One of the most common ways is businesses come to or, or people come to your business asking you to solve something, to, to sell them something. And this is especially true in professional services, construction, etc. And you as the expert understand that what they're asking for doesn't make any sense. But they yet are, are, they don't know enough to understand that yet. And, and so the challenge is there's a lot of people in, in this, in, in not just uh, in, in professional services in general, who will simply say, yep, I'll do what you asked me to do, irrespective of the outcome, because they know it's going to be a failure. Instead of saying, well, let's start there. Let's think about this and showing people in a, a better way. And, and I think we could go into dozens and dozens of very specific examples of that from you know, attorney who's asked to, to put a will together because he thinks, you know, because the client thinks that's going to keep them out of probate, right? Classic example. And the attorney has to educate and say, no, no, well, a will is not actually keeping you out of probate. Uh, a trust will, though. And so let's set up a living trust instead. It's a better option, right? To, you know, I mean, you used the example earlier. Someone comes to you because they want more traffic and you say, well, let's do, uh, let's do direct mail. Right. But they had in their mind Facebook ads. Well, there's a hundred reasons direct mail might be a better option. And so, so I think that's the key here is it's focusing less on the actual problem and focusing more on the symptom they feel right now, getting some relief and then getting to the root of the problem. Yeah. I mean, I think about that often when I look at when we design our websites, you know, that you want to. I'm like, what's the pain that they have they, that they want us to solve, right? And that would be the main theme in the website. Like, for example, you know, our, our tagline for our for our financing solutions is um, a line of credit just in case, right? Because that's why you want a line of credit, right? It's just in case. And, you know, and then we, we show somebody on, on, our, on our page that is, is having a problem, you know, is seriously worried. Uh, yep. And I, I, I it, it's nice when you're, when your marketing message, let's use that word for a second, matches, I would say, the culture of your company, because I've been through that. I've been through having a line of credit and, um, and, and, uh, and going to a bank and saying, I need to increase it. And they've said, uh, we'll let you know in a month and a half. I'm like, I have payroll due on Friday. <laughs> you know, I've been through what it's like for, uh, for you to have to get a line of credit in place. It is torture with you know, a commercial bank. For those of you who haven't done it, you're in for a rude awakening. It is tough. 
And um, so, you know, I, I, I get, I kind of get, that's nice when the culture of the company, the owners, I mean, when you can articulate to your employees why you do what you do. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what's, what's kind of the next one? You know, the, the next big, big strategy is this. You've got to actually have a pricing strategy. In my experience, the vast majority of people have no idea why they charge what they charge. Uh, this could be anything from, I've had construction companies we work with say, well, we just, we just, you know, figure out cost plus 20%. Well, why do you do cost plus 20%? Well, that's because that's what I did when I was starting in the business 30 years ago, right? To, I mean, I ask real estate agents all the time, why do you charge 6%? I don't know. Does, does it the matter? Industry the standard, that's why. Right? It's the industry standard. Yeah. Ultimately, it's because the guy next to me charges that, right? Is is old? We see a lot of pricing is based upon what are other people doing, and those other people are pricing based upon what other people are doing, who are pricing upon what other people are doing. And, and so we believe that that really effective pricing strategy, where you're driving pricing based upon the value that someone is receiving from you can be utterly transformative for your organization, right? And, and this could be anything from uh, a more innovative means of charging people. So for example, um, what if what if your pricing were dynamic based upon the success that somebody has based upon what they've purchased from you? In I pers- say it all the time to SEO companies. I say, base it on that if you're successful. Yep. And define success with them. Yep. And they all think they all want to do it, but they just haven't failed the you know SEO company, search engine optimization, or natural searches. They haven't been able. They I don't know. I, I haven't found anyone who kind of is willing to do that. Right, and, and so so that but that can be across the board. So let, let's say, for example, we we all know how how notorious contractors are, right? So what if, as a contractor, you would have a price for the job done in two months and a price for the job done in three months and a price for the job done in four plus months? Yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, call me, call me crazy. If I need my house done in two months, I'm going to take that. Yeah. Right? And that then protects me as the customer because if I say, look, I'd like the two-month price, I'd like you to work to get this done in two months, but it takes you three I don't feel as the customer like I got ripped off, right? You don't feel as the contractor like you got ripped off because you're getting you're you're actually getting paid based on the results that you provided. Yeah, I'll go one step further too. The the mistake I make I see a lot of small business owners make is um, they they don't charge enough. Okay, Absolutely. that they you know that you have to understand. A small business is about better service, a better product, but not at a better price. Okay. Better price are large companies. Okay. That's what they do. They buy, they have economies of scale. Okay. And so, you know, you're not, if newer business owners think that they have to compete on price, and not on service and quality. And they forget the, this is where the receptionist thing that you said earlier really comes into play. Because I think, 
I play up the idea in my business that, that either you have direct access or you're going to talk to one of the owners every time you call in. Okay. That's some people would say is in the past, a long time ago, I'd say is, Oh, I don't want to look small as a business. I actually played it up as a competitive advantage because people know that they're dealing directly with the person who's going to make the decision. You can't do that with, you know, a bank, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, so I agree with what you're saying. Beautiful. So well, what's the next one? What's the, the next fourth one is, one? is what we would call uh, surprise, delight, and wow. Okay. And, and ultimately the idea is this. If you really want to succeed and build an army of loyalists, people who are going to follow you anywhere, who are going to, whenever they need your service, they're going to hire you. Whenever they hear about someone else needing it, they're going to recommend you. You must systematically, intentionally provide more value than they're expecting. Okay. And so, so here's the thing. A lot of businesses that I talk to say, when I ask, well, how do you over deliver? How do you build a relationship with someone long term? They say, well, I tell them what I'm going to do and then I do it, right? And, and, I, and I, it's, it's a hard thing because I think a lot of people think that's enough. The simple reality is if I give you money to do a job and you do the job exactly like we agreed, that's, that's status quo. Yeah, to me, that's the minimum. That's, that's the, the minimum. I, I want them to well, walk away with, I, you've done, you did better than I thought you were going to do. Right? right. That's and even higher, you know. So let, yeah. let's let's talk about what that could look like. This could be something as simple as what one of the things we do in our company is we send out postcards about every four to six weeks to all of our customers, past and present, to our vendors. And and they're funny. They're they're within our company culture and personality. And and it's a way for us to say, hey, we're thinking about you. We're not asking for anything. We're just telling them, hey, we're thinking about you. And, and it could include a gift. It could just be a moment of levity, right? Whatever. But, but the aim is we're continuing to build that relationship, right? We There are, are dozens and dozens of ways that you can go above and beyond. But I, I like to talk about the Ritz-Carlton here for just a brief second because we all, we all or a lot of us know who the Ritz-Carlton is. Many people have stayed there. Uh, the Ritz-Carlton had a policy that made it the Ritz-Carlton. And by the way, if you if you um, re read the story, uh, this is actually a policy that the board of directors initially wanted to reject. And Hollis said that that if they rejected it, he would resign as, as CEO. And here's the policy. Every employee could spend up to $2,000 to solve a guest problem, real or perceived, no questions asked. Yeah. Now, we've heard about that, right? But I would encourage you to go to Google and just Google Ritz-Carlton problem. Ritz-Carlton solved my problem. And what you will find is literally thousands of stories, news articles, viral news articles of everything from lost teddy bears to mothers showing up at weddings unexpectedly. Where real problems were solved because employees were empowered. And so 
when we're talking about systematic delight, systematic um, building of a culture of wow, this starts with employee empowerment and moves on. One of the things that we hear a lot of in small business is this phrase. Well, if I, as the owner, hear about it, I'll X, Y, Z. And that's precisely the problem. It should be when the employee hears that there's a problem. That you as a company, you as an organization already know, here are opportunities to over-deliver. Here are opportunities to, to create a moment of surprise. Here's our opportunity to delight people beyond just when they have a problem, but when they're having a good time as well. Yeah. And so if you really want to scale as an organization and you've got some of these other building blocks in place, putting systems in place. And I think you've kind of seen this as a bit of a theme of everything we've talked about. It's system, 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 system. A system to delight your customers will pay dividends far beyond what you could possibly imagine. Yeah, and I thought I think even on a bigger picture too is it. it I think most people, <clears throat> everyone who owns a business, gets really stoked when you have customers that are really delighted. Right? It really makes what you do for a living exciting. Yeah. All right. You know, the longer you're in business, and you know, I get a little annoyed with the younger generation because. Uh, this is going to sound uh, bad, but you know, they, they feel like entrepreneurship is you're out there to change the world, right? If you want to change the world, I mean, do things more outside of your work, you know, yes. Treat your employees fantastically, you know, try to, uh, you know, be very kind to your, uh, to, uh, uh, I mean, be good with the people that, that your customers and everything like that. But, you know, at the end of the day, Business is about making money. I, I just really believe that. Okay, it's about building the net worth of the business owner because you took a risk. Okay, um, but the other part about that, you have a lot of other things that you can do that doesn't have to compete against the idea of making money and having customers that are super excited about what you do is one of them. And also, by the way having people who love their jobs, right? And love the company they work for is also something that is aligned with making money. So I, I think it all goes hand in hand. It does. It does. I agree hundred percent. So let's, let's move to the last point of the top five things that business, that marketing uh, uh, processes and systems that you should be doing to, uh, to really grow your business um, and what's the last one? The last, the last one is this. There must be a referral system. So I, I, I ask people this question all the time. I probably ask this question more than four or 5,000 times at this point. Do you have a systematic documented plan by which you extract referrals from every customer? And so I want to work through those pieces real quick. Do you have a, a, a systematic plan? Right? Something where you know, here are the steps, and is it documented, i.e. written down, not in your head, meaning that it's not up to you to do necessarily, but that the business can do the system without you as an individual. Okay? Is it a clear plan? And by that, I mean, are we refining our plan because we know 
that the only plan that's perfect is the one that's never been executed. Okay. And so is it being refined continually? And this final point is probably the most important. There are a lot of businesses that ask for referrals. And notice that I did not say you have a systematic documented plan by which you ask for referrals. I chose up my words very carefully. The word is extract. Okay. This, this looks like a number of different things, but I'll give two, two very brief examples. Uh, this started for us with a financial advisor. David and I wrote a book on marketing for financial advisors some years ago. And uh, we were doing a lot of research and we found this financial advisor who claimed to be the most successful advisor in the country. I think he was up in North Dakota. And in his contract, in order to work with him, you had to provide him three referrals to new customers every single year. And if you did not, if you failed to meet your obligation, you were dropped as a client. That's extraction of referrals. And by the way, if you over-deliver, it's going to be a real pain for them to have to take their money elsewhere because they, they realize I'm, not be, I'm being treated so well, why would I want to go somewhere else, right? Within our business, we, we put this funny little line in our contracts that says, if you work with us, you're required to give video testimonials after a certain amount of time. We require it. And, and I've, oddly enough, no one has ever said, oh, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to work with you guys because I'll have to give a testimonial. But it allows us to extract them on demand and say, hey, you just said X, Y, Z. That's really good. Can I use that recording? And, and they're more than happy to say yes. And so it's having a plan by which and, and, and a method by which you're pulling this out from every single customer is absolutely critical. And if you'll do those five things that we've talked about here in the past 30, 35 minutes, your business will double in a very, very rapid pace. Because what you're doing- I'm sorry. Yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. You want to finish that thought? Well, because what, what you're doing here is, is you're, you're pouring gasoline on a fire with these, right? You're actually putting organizational strategy in place that allows you to grow very, very quickly. Yeah, my my experience too is like the the idea when you're running a when you start your business is ideas, 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 right? It's like, but listen, once you come out with the business of what you're going to be doing, you it really gets back down to ex now then it's about okay, this is what we do, and now it comes down to execution. And listen, the execution, I, I happen to get stoked by execution, but most people don't get excited by execution, right? They get excited by ideas. Now, inside of execution, you can brainstorm the ideas for, in this case, marketing, right? But at some point, you have to pick it and go. And the, and, and, uh, the reason I'm raising this as a point is that you can't say, okay, I believe in everything that Ken says, which I think everybody would, okay? And let's implement them, all five. Uh-uh. <laughs> you implement one. And then when that one is good and you've done a great job and you're doing it on a consistent basis and you're measuring it, then you go to the next Ken Cook's idea. 
And by the way, you circle back to the first one too. So, you know, to me, running a business is about great execution. And so don't try to do all five of these at once. Pick one. Really, really, really work on it. And then three months, four months later, you can go for the next one. So so give me a summary, Ken, of the five steps that you talked about today. Yeah, absolutely. So so step one is all, know, know and define clearly your target market. The who. Step two, position within that target market. Understand what problem, what what symptom you're alleviating for those people. Step three, price based upon the value that those people are receiving from you. Number four is over deliver to those people, and number five is have a system to extract referrals from those people. It's great stuff. I mean, we make business so complicated, doesn't it? I think I tell you one of the problems, like I know when I was reading your bio that you said, you know, you read about a hundred books a year. I actually had to stop reading uh, books because my mind would, would race too much. I would get too, I, my staff would go crazy when I went away to a conference because I come back with a million ideas. And so I learned when I go away to a conference, I come back with three main ideas you know, and then talk to my team about them because uh, it was just too much. Because I would, you know, go to a conference, I'd have a hundred new ideas, you know. So, um, well, it's really good stuff today, uh, Ken. I, I really appreciate you coming on. Um, I'd like to thank so very much Ken Cook from the Baird Group for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And please also give us a review if you like today's uh, podcast, if it, as long as it's a five star uh, and or any of the past podcasts. You know, we the Entrepreneur MBA podcast is in the top 5% in our space for entrepreneurship uh, podcasts. And I thank you for that. Those reviews are really partly about what drives that ranking. So I thank you for that. If you're looking for and and of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862 207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. That's FS as a financing solutions, creditline.com. Ken, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that? Yeah, just uh, jump over to thepreparedgroup.com. You can reach out to us there uh, or you can always find me on LinkedIn. You'll notice by the uh, cowboy hat and on LinkedIn, you'll, you can just search my name, Kendall Cook, K-E-N-D-E-L-L. Cook and uh, I'm I'm the only one wearing a cowboy hat in in that search. Yep, and can you do a podcast too? Right, uh, my business partner David does a podcast called oh. More Perfect Marketing. Okay, uh, which is a great little show. Uh, yep. We talk about marketing with marketers, and uh, would love to have you all take a listen to that as well. That sounds great. So, I mean, the big takeaway that I you know I think I had today, I, I you know I interjected quite a bit here. Um, but I'm just going to reiterate to everybody, just, you know, pick one thing today and really, really try to be the best at that. And then you can move on to the next one and uh, don't put a time limit on it. Put measurements in place instead. So it was a good uh, podcast today. 
Everybody, uh, you know, this time of year right now, it's Thanksgiving. It's coming up. I want to thank all our listeners and all of our guests who have come on in the past. I'm very thankful for that. I've learned a lot. It's been a lot of fun. This is like the 220th episode so far of the Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Everybody, have a great day.